You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today we are welcoming back to the podcast Josh Widdicombe, live from the Secret Welsh Comedy Festival in Machancliffe. So uh, if you are a fan of Josh or a fan of, and I've got to say this was a really fun live one, the first half is some really meaty process stuff. Uh, he's a very conscientious writer and listener of this show as well. Um, and uh, we get into some very detailed nitty gritty of the writing process. The second half, there's some juicy celebrity anecdotes and we talk a little bit about time. Taskmaster and uh, Josh's appearance and uh, victories therein. And uh, we also talk about exactly why he is so good at uh, appearing as a guest on the Graham Norton show and other highfalutin chat shows. He's uh, an excellent guest and uh, very frequently invited back. And we find out exactly why. It's a really fascinating bit of detail um, coming up on that. No Insiders Club extra today. We just had the hour show. We bash straight through. And um, that's all there is to say, I think. Uh, I'll chat to you a bit in the middle for now. No, I'll chat to you at the end. Let's just run this one all the way through. And um, I will have a quick word with you at the end about the Soho shows that I've just concluded and uh, some other tiny bits and bobs. But for now, please welcome back to the show, Josh Widdicombe. You have to parade in front of me, I'm afraid, and go around that side. So, where to begin? Uh, I, uh, so this is your second time on the podcast? Yeah, I think 2012. I think 2012. You were very early, very early mm. uh, guest and supporter of the show. And you are one of a small coterie of comedians who, after particularly uh, salacious episodes of the show, text me with your feelings on the guests. Yeah. So what I'm saying it usually, is, it usually Josh is, is one of us. <laughs> It usually is, in certain name of comedian, is mad. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I do. Yeah, I, I listen to the show uh, when, I, when I know who the person is. Yeah, that's fair. When it's like, this person is a juggler from New Zealand, I'm like, fuck that off. But like... <laughs> I, don't think I've had it. I don't think I've ever... <laughs> One former juggler, maybe, yeah. Um, and what is it, this is a very self-indulgent initial mm. line of questioning, but what is it that you like about hearing other comedians talk about their process? Because you're a bit of a comedy, like, yeah, a process I, I guy, don't, right? I don't think I talk about it ever, though, really, with my comedy friends. Like, I would never sit down with, like, Nish and go, what are your feelings on the best way to write a topper for a joke? Like, sure. we, I don't talk about that with people. I just find it very interesting... Um, 
hearing people talk about the experiences that I've had, I think. I think in the same way that, you know... Because um, I, I, I much prefer the ones like... Is a good example. So I much preferred um, Frank Skinner's book to Steve Martin's. Everyone said Steve Martin's book was great. And I think it was simply because the things he talked about were literally places I'd been and, like, experiences I'd had. So I really enjoy hearing people talk about things that I can identify with, I think. Okay. okay. Is that...? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, I love it when they come across as mad. <laughs> yeah. Well, later we're going to play a little game where I read out texts uh, that oh. Josh has sent me and we try to work out whether he can identify the person that the text was written about. <laughs> Um, there's two ways of doing that. One, he has to name the person, and two, he just needs to, we just need a yes or no as to whether he remembers it, and then we will provide a list of the names to members of the Insiders Club. Um, that's a very in-joke, in don't worry. So, uh, let's talk about the show that you've just done. That I just, mm. So, it's a work in progress. Yeah. Where are you in the life of that show? Does the show have a title yet? Where, yeah. When does it stop being a work in progress and become the finished article? It's, it's, it's a tour that is booked to start on October the 3rd. Okay. So that is when it is finished. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the sense, I, I don't write on tour. I don't like that. Like, the last tour I did, it took maybe two or three weeks of it, of the actual tour, to perfect it, and I found that really tiring and frustrating because you're worrying about the tour gigs and you're worrying about changing things and then having to try them in a situation where people have paid for a finished show. I don't, like, have that thing. I like to have the show nailed down and then all you've got to think about is do the show. So it started to... What, what, what year are we in now? 2019. So I think January 2018, I started gigging again from having some time off, having finished the previous tour in 2007? No, I can't be right. 16. Huh? 2000, end of 2016. So I had a year off stand-up, and then I started again, but dabbled for a year, just dabbled to try and get stuff going, and then this January, I was like, right, this is a job now and you have one of those uh, careers you've sort of got i what certainly seems from the outside to be one of the dream careers of most comedians right in that you have like a regular with the last leg you have a regular i mean that's like a mm. cast iron they're not going to stop making that anytime soon i've got a mortgage so Hello? i hope not yeah okay <laughs> um, um, no I, I i as far as i know I'm not, you never know do you because um people might get bored of it, but you hope to God they won't stop making it, yeah. Sure. So you've got that, you've got uh, the sitcom about yourself. So that's not... That, yeah, but we've, we've... That's finished? Yeah. Okay. So that was the most tiring thing I've ever done in my life. Three, it, how many seasons of that were there? Three, and it, t- it took like six months to write each one, and it just... While doing Last Leg, and it just was so knackering. So the moment... We were like, we're not going to do another one. It felt like a weight was lifted work-wise for this tour, if you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking from the from the outside perspective I was describing of like most comics going, wow, that's the the show where you play yourself that's named after you. I mean, it's called it's called Josh, not yeah. Widdicombe, so it's not yeah. entirely Seinfeld. No. <laughs> but, and what's what's sense? That seems like a dream, as you said. Yeah, 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 yeah it was. It was that's... amazing. It was absolutely amazing. But there was, I'd had a ba- I've had a baby and. You've only got so much time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think because you're, you are one of the comics who is successful enough that you are proper, properly successful. Like I remember we walked across a field in a Latitude Festival and mm. you could not move. You couldn't get two feet without people mobbing you and getting right. selfies and stuff. Like you're proper, yeah. proper famous and yet connected enough to the alternative world of comedy that you are at Mac 
And I know the organiser. Yeah, well, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might talk about Henry. But do you know what I mean? But, that's, but it, it also makes sense for you to be here because you are connect. You know, the, the yeah, friends you friends have in comedy. James and Nish and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that is my group of kind of peers. Yes. Yes. I feel like that started off being a question. Oh, sorry, yeah. That's fine. No, but you're, you're properly, properly successful. Do you feel okay. properly no, successful? You no, know, yeah, you never do. Um, but you don't want to go, oh, no, I'm not, because then you sound like you're being bashful. But um, you're always worried about... There's no, there's no point where you go, oh, I feel comfortable now. No one does in any job. There's no point when you go, I can coast now. There's a point when you go, jeez, what if last leg gets cancelled, my tour's shit. And then I have to sell my house. <laughs> so that's the, the, I, I think everyone has that. Really? Yeah. Really? At the level... I, I, I everyone wonder... I've met. Okay. I've never met any comedian who's walked in and gone, fucking hell, this is easy. I was going to ask, <laughs> I was going to ask, let's get right at the top, I was going to ask, what's it like being rich and famous? Um, well, I'm not as rich and famous as you think I am. Okay. Exactly what is your... Never mind. No, <laughs> But do you feel like you've made it? Or do you, when, when I say like that, when you say that perspective of like, you, you never think, oh, now I can coast. Do you feel like, I mean, this is working? Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel, I, I, it would be absurd for me to go, no, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Because I do, I'm quite, you know, I feel like I've got a bit of a handle on, yeah, on where I am. I, I think it was stuff like The Last Leg or something. That feels like, it's a kind of, you know, it's a it's a job which I know how to do now, if you know what I mean. So you go in on the Wednesday, you sit around, you do the writing day on the Wednesday, then you do the Thursday, Friday, the rehearsal, da 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 And, you know, it's just, that's a, it's almost like doing a nine-to-five job where you feel confident doing it, if you know what I mean. So in that sense, I feel, and I feel like with this tour, I'm not panicked about it. I feel like if it's in the situation, it's one of the, they're all situations where... If I work hard, if I work really hard on them, then they will be good. And if I don't, they won't be. So that's quite a good position to be in because you just go, well, I'll work hard then. Have you had situations, have you had projects or tour shows where you haven't worked hard enough in the past? Or you um, can look back and go, I, I could have given that more? Oh, yeah. But I, not so much like, I, I don't think like there's big things where I go, that was really shit and it could have been good I've got the ability to have made that better but I certainly you'll do stuff like even um, here's an example that last gig we did I had a nice gig which was just that was Josh Widdicombe and friends yeah and, and I had, I'd just done 80 minutes in the previous gig and I wandered on and I was quite kind of we did, I'd really enjoyed the previous gig I was a bit, maybe a bit too confident and then I um, realised shit I haven't actually thought much about how I'm going to do this 10 minutes at the top here that I could have done better but it's never think never the big things really because you've got enough time to collect your thoughts and put in the work if that makes sense and what was the first moment when you felt like and going back now you've been doing comedy 10 years or so Mm, there were about 10 11 years yeah what was the first moment when you felt like I've found my thing I don't think I ever did I genuinely don't um I felt like, um, like, do you mean as in voice or as in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't mean as in voice, but that, yeah, sure. With voice, definitely, I did. There wasn't a point when I went, I've, I'm looking for something and now I found it. I think that just kind of slowly creeps up and it's kind of 
was quite a natural progression to just hours of stand-up and writing about what you think is funny is kind of that's how you how I found what I do if you know what I mean so there was no eureka moment if you know what I mean okay and there was no eureka moment as well with going now I think I'm a successful comic there's a point when I quit my job but you're always worried about going back to your job and when did you stop worrying about going back to your job I a year or two ago no 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 No, a year or two after quitting my job okay and do you do you feel like you had a because you're you're definitely someone I think I may have said this a few years ago I think it definitely holds true you are someone who very early on everyone went oh he knows what he's doing I had a good first six months and then I had an awful 18 months and then I got, I like started and I had like a good five, which sounded like a ripoff of Stuart Lee. I don't know if you remember it. (laughs) And then I was like, I couldn't write anything else in that voice because it was, because it wasn't my voice. So I struggled to get it together for like 18 months and then it all kind of started working. And that was around the time That was around the start of 2010, so about two years in it all started working and I had a few bits that all worked together. And I had about ten minutes that was good then. And then I uh, got signed with an agent from doing ten minutes at the Leicester Mercury final. Yeah, which you won. Which I won. Rob Beckett's still annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, he's not. Well, um, but... (laughs) um, Yeah, so... uh, And that's when it started going good okay so to come back to the the work in progress that you've just done does that show have a title yet does the yeah, it's tour called bit much which <laughs> i quite like is just a phrase which i find myself saying a bit much and um so i thought that'll do okay i don't, I don't <laughs> next think... year's tour that'll do no i i don't i don't i'm i don't really with titles i'm it's it's not really i'm not that interested in them if you know what i mean so i, I just like a phrase that's like a fun little phrase or something I don't want to say, you know, make any grandstanding claims with the title. And we were talking uh, after your, your work in progress just gone about how you were saying you wanted to make sure that it was like, was it quite, well, you said you, that it was like sort of as gag heavy as a club set, that it was just yeah, joke, 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 joke. I've always had like something in, or I've had bits in the shows that aren't as good as other and I just because I had longer on this show this is the longest I've ever had to write a show um I just wanted it to be like 80 minutes of purely like joke 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 no texture just this kind of like I was just watching Ed Gamble he's so brilliant at that there's no moment of let up and we watch Ed and you go that's exactly I that's what I want this show to be like. There's just, it's just brilliant. And how do you feel the, the work in practice, the work in progress went? Are you happy with I that? I enjoyed it feel that like work it's in, in progress. The right... I thought that was a, uh, it was a, it's a better audience than the show deserved. But um, it was... That is the curse of Mac. The curse of Mac, yeah, I reckon. You, you leave Mac going, why the hell am I waiting until October to go on tour? <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I thought, I really enjoyed that work in progress. And it, and... I'd done a work in progress the night before and made changes and they I dropped bits I didn't like. If, you do, if you're doing a bit in Mac and you don't like it, it's not good enough. <laughs> like, and so I dropped those bits and um, tightened it up and I was pleased with... It was much better for that. So it's quite good when you do work and then it, 
it pays off. Do you know what I mean? I know that sounds mad, but when you go, oh, if I'd just done that same gig as last night, that wouldn't have been as good. But that two hours I did last night has really made this better. Yes. So let's talk about one of the things that, that, that a lot of people mentioned uh, in the, the ComCom Facebook group about, I was sort of asking for listener questions, oh, no. and something that came up uh, from the previous interview that we did was your spider diagram. A lot of people said that was really helpful. You gave some very specific, okay, yeah. uh, like at the time, but do you, do you still write like Stop that? Stop doing that. Did you? Go yeah, on. Yeah, so I've... I've uh, so tell us what it was in brief, just so your, your so previous style and then how you changed the way you write. topic that I was writing on, and then I'd put that topic in the middle, and then you'd spider off it with all your ideas and spider off it. Because th- the basic point is, if you're doing a bit on um, watches, then you're like, this is the only time I'm ever going to do a bit on watches, so I need to do all of the watch material that I can think of. And also, once you've got a bit that's working, adding on bits it's much easier to make them work than starting again. So a little observation about a watch might not be worth going, hey, what about watches, and taking the show in that direction. But if you're talking about watches anyway, then you might as well get everything you can out of it. That's basically the point. Do you think that's yeah, what I said? That was, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. So now, big news. Big news. I've moved into word processing. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I've got a printer and a computer. A printer? You're doing um, hard copies of stuff. I, and do you know what? Of course I am, because it's 2019. And, <laughs> and I don't know why I've been writing in notebooks for so long, because I do all my other work on a computer. And so I don't know. I think, it's, I think a lot of comedians write in notebooks because they want to feel like tortured artists. <laughs> Where, in fact... A computer is so much more useful because you can delete and you can move stuff around and you go, oh, what if that bit went there and that bit went there? And then you've done it rather than having to write everything out again. The amount of time I used to spend writing stuff out. I just, computers have changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I genuinely mean that. Like, it's absolutely changed. It's made me so much more efficient. Okay. you just... Uh, my my, what I'll do now, I'll print out the... And then you can go, tonight I'm doing a 20 and I want to try these four routines. I'll just grab them and put them in that document and then play with them, like, just change them around. And then I can just put them back in the document after I've done the gig. It's... It's a wonderful world. <laughs> <laughs> so that's clearly, that's clearly very useful for editing and tweaking and moving material you've already written. Is yeah. there an equivalent? Are you, are you birthing stuff for the first time? Are you, like in the same way that the spider diagram thing was a way of generating material, are you generating material on a word processor as I well? I'll tell you what I am doing now. Uh, is I'm, I'm, once it's on the paper, the, once it's been printed out, I will write, I'll annotate, I'll listen to the gig back annotate and write ideas on that piece of paper, like scribble on that. With a pen? With a pen, on your yeah. Okay. But it's a... Like a it's contemporary a, it's, tortured it's, artist. It's, it's, yeah. It, all right, I've got a fountain pen with an inkwell. No, um, <laughs> no, it's like it's a nice pen, Stu. It's a, I've got it here, actually. I like to... It's a, What is it? It's a, um, it's a Uniball Micro. <laughs> and I buy... I buy you, don't f- got, you don't get this on Rahelistopher. I <laughs> I buy them in packs of ten from Amazon, and then slowly, uh, when I write with Tom Crane on Last Leg or something, he slowly works his way through stealing all those pens, and then I have to buy more. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, gen- so generating material, like, first time from, from a note, from a, 
from a, I, from a thought. Yeah, I'll scribble. I will scribble stuff down there, but not in a spider diagram. I'll just scribble a list, and then I'll put it all on computer, and then I'll get it in order on the computer. I, I tell you what, I've really started doing. I think for nine years of stand up, I was doing something which was really, really lazy and really crap, uh, which was, which some critics would say appeared on stage. Um, but I was doing something which was, you'd like have an idea that you'd think was going to work and you'd go, I'll just go and try it just in its really basest form. I won't actually write around it because I don't know if it works yet. So you'd walk on stage and you'd go, oh, I don't know, something about chairs. Is there anything in chairs? Oh, I'm just trying this out now. And actually, it, that's not a good way of trying something. It's a really weak way of trying something. And what I've found is actually if you try and write it into a routine as the first time you do it, it's got so much more chance of succeeding. Also, really, you know, trust yourself that if you think something's funny, it's probably worth spending half an hour writing it into a routine rather than turning up at a gig and you've gone to the gig, you know, you've lost your evening anyway, you might as well lose another half an hour, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's a result of having a child, which has meant that... Every gig I do needs to be beneficial because I haven't got as much time to gig as I used to. Are there any other ways you can think in which your writing process has changed or things you've learnt in the last six years? Yeah, I've, I listen to my gigs now rather than recording them and then thinking I won't listen to that. Um, and i tell you what I listen to, good gigs. You know how people say, like, bad gigs are much better learning places? I think that's total crap. I think... Good gigs, excluding James Gill's ABC comedy, which is too good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but good gigs um, are useful because you get a chance to be confident with your, um, with your material. So a bad gig, if I try a new idea and it starts to go badly, I'll just jump out of it because I don't want to embarrass myself. Whereas at a good gig, you'll come up with extra bits because people are laughing. You'll say it in the best way because you're not panicking. It's so much more useful to do good gigs and, and for the early stages of material while you're trying to get your confidence up with it. And once you're confident with it, it'll be easier to do it in a tougher gig. So when you're trying... I don't want to sort of uh, give away any of the content of your current show. But I think that's all right. As long so you, you've, got a, you've got a big chunk say, of that stuff about the pillow. About having a, yeah. It's better than it sounds. <laughs> Josh's big pillow bit. Um, but with, with that, that's a prime example of one of the things you were exceptionally good at, which is getting, like you say, getting every possible thing out of a subject. So for yeah. people listening to this who want to get better at wringing out all of the funny from one thing, going like, this is the one time I'm going to talk about it, what kind of tips could you suggest for how you get everything out of a subject no that's really difficult because it's just sit down and think about it as much as possible and try and come up with every angle i don't know because that's like saying how do you come up with an idea are you just but are you i don't know sorry i'm not trying to be like no not at all are you are you applying do you have rules there's not like the seven rules of josh there's none of that like I'm not like, now I have to look at it from this angle. And I just think, right, I've got a big bit on weddings, right? And the new show. So that started as a small bit on weddings. I can't even remember what the bit was that started it. It might have been like being invited to evening do only and how disappointing that is. And so I've got that. 
And I think, well, I'll just start bolting on other wedding ideas and bolting on and bolting on and bolting on. And then once you've got everything, then you can get it in some kind of order. But at this stage in the process of writing a show, it's just a list of things about weddings at this stage. But hopefully it will run into a... Not a story, but a smooth arc with a, you know... Needless callback at the end, so we all feel satisfied that it <laughs> fits together or whatever. But like, um, so you just that with that, you're just like, right? I've got a bit on wedding services. I've got a bit on the reading, the people doing readings at weddings. Okay, what are the other things in the service that I could think about? There's the songs. Is there anything funny about the songs? And then I've got that bit about when you don't know the hymn. And then there's. There's the kiss. There's got to be some funny stuff. So it's literally just like... It's just trying to think about something as much as possible, really. I know that sounds really unhelpful. Well, no, I think it's interesting because the, the way you're describing it, it isn't about... Although there are two stages. There's make the list, try and cover everything without worrying about whether it's funny. You're not, you're not kind of blocking I'm yourself... I'm worrying about that, Stu. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> no, I mean, it's two separate phases, right? You come up with all the stuff and then you try and find something yeah, funny about all the stuff. That's, rather that's than... not a contra- There's not any point when I'm writing a list of things that happen in weddings. Sure, okay. I'm more like, okay, kiss, let's think about... Well, I was about to say, let's think about kissing. That's a weird thing to say, but, like, <laughs> let's think about the kiss. Uh, right, OK, there's... What about this with the kiss? What about this? So that's the kind of... And do you find that you are better these days? Or has, your, has, your, has that particular part of your skill set increased where you go, that is a particularly me way... Or, like, a me topic? That's something we've talked about with, like, with Acaster. Acaster's incredibly good at going, like, oh, skywriting, that's me yeah, yeah, suits yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. and there was stuff in your show where you would begin a topic and i'd go ah oh, this is very that's that's josh yeah advent calendars yeah yeah, yeah that kind that. of stuff yeah yeah like in, the, in, the, in the same way that after <laughs> after my shows you can always guess which one of my jokes was written by my wife yes you know what I mean? yeah. because you're like that was her one yeah yeah that's but that's i think but that's natural that's i do you know what i've tried before and it has never worked is thinking I need, this would be a good topic to write on, and not having anything on it and then trying to write on it. I can't do that. I have to have one bit on it that is an idea that works, and then I can add to that. But I remember, like, at the start of this tour, I'd be like, I've got asthma. I've never heard someone talk about having asthma. I'm going to clean up with my asthma stuff. And then I sat there and I thought, I can't think of anything funny about asthma. (laughs) And so, so, but I wonder if I had a bit about the hilarity of my inhaler if i had that if you just had one joke about if inhalers, I had one joke about inhalers it might open it up and why do you think that is because I, I mean i i've got a take on that which I, I suspect it's because the the fact of just nothing the fact of the void means that you go oh, I, I i can't do this i've got nothing on this i think the reason for that is it's partly that and it's partly that you get to try the other asthma stuff with momentum because you've done the joke that worked on asthma. So it doesn't feel as mad. So it's difficult to come up with an example, isn't it? Because you can't... Um, but, all right, let's come up with an example from an old routine. So one of my first ones was that Madame Two Swords routine, right? So I had a bit about the Hitler waxwork. And off that, I had a bit about them having Jack the Ripper. Now, that Jack the Ripper wasn't as strong as Hitler... 
but it worked because it had the momentum of the Hitler bit carrying it through. However, if I'd just gone, I went to Madame Tussauds and they had uh, Jack the Ripper, I don't think it's strong enough for people to think, why is he talking about this? But when you're already talking about something that's funny, people will buy the weaker stuff, if you sure. know what I mean. yeah, yeah. Does we, that make sense? Uh, absolutely, and that's... That was the... And that doesn't mean the stuff's shit, it just means it's not, in its own right, good enough to change the whole course of the show towards. Yes, because something, uh, when, when you just finished that, you've got a bit about the Netflix, having to use the arrow keys to type in a Netflix password. Yes. Which is uh, something that, I, uh, for me, I was like, I was, God damn it, I felt like I was going to write that joke sometime soon. Yeah. All that really means is, what a good observation, I'd noticed it without... Yeah, you get that with other people, thing. don't you? It's really frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Beckett's got a new bit about um, different types of milk. Like, trying almond milk and all that kind of stuff. And I was just going, this is just perfect observational comedy, if you know what I mean. And I think perfect observational comedy is the most frustrating, because you're like, it was right there in front of my yeah, face. But, yeah, for, for it to work. That, yeah, it has to have been right there, in, been front there in front of my face. How did I miss it? Well, when I mentioned that Netflix thing to you, you said, oh, yeah, that initially that, that wasn't a good enough bit on its own. Wasn't. But it works in the slipstream as a... Uh, totally. It, it, as an it's like. Exactly. So, so, when, so when you say, sorry, just to interrupt, when you say, I don't have se- Josh's seven things, you do have, like, that's one of your things, is to go, it's an it's like. Yeah. So, uh, so that Netflix thing is about um, how f- slow time goes when you're typing on the TV and it, you're trying to go around the keyboard. And, um, and so the... But... I initially tried that. I was like, so the other day I was watching Netflix, da, 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 and people are like, it's a bit slight. You know? <laughs> that would be an incredible heckle, by the way. <laughs> this, this is a bit slight. <laughs> Mate, me at New Material, there's so much that's a bit slight. I, at the start, there's so many ideas. I look back and I'm like, fucking hell, that was a bit slight. <laughs> I had one about the little legs on the back of a keyboard to adjust the height. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> but that Netflix is a bit slight to, um, to bring up Netflix, right? Sure. But doing it off another thing, so I do it as... Uh, and I think it might change its position... As, but it will probably be the same set. So I do a thing about when they're signing the book at a wedding and how slow time feels like it's going at that point. And then I say, the only time when time feels slower is... And then I do the Netflix thing. And that... There's something about that that means that... Because it's an analogy, it's more satisfying, I suppose. I, 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 I don't understand quite the maths of it, but it works. I used to have one... I had a bit about... Uh, last show, or maybe the show before... It was a show before, I think... About so I tried the idea of how difficult it is. This is how long ago it was. You couldn't do this now because the technology is not there. How difficult? And you're going to say this is a bit slight, Steve. How difficult it is to pick up a CD when you've dropped it on a laminate floor? <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> yeah, you, it, it was in your last show. It was in What Do I Do Now? Right. And it's and I know exactly. Yeah, it, it was. It was a rich textured bit. It was a bit, a bit slight. It's a bit it, slight. It, it was a bit slight on your own to go. I dropped a CD on the floor. But I did it off. Um, I did it off Estate a relationship. Bit. Or I did it? it off a relationship bit. I said, um, "Did I?" I said, "The only thing more difficult than going through a breakup is picking a CD up off a laminate floor." And that somehow made it work. I think that worked because it was such a like 
mismatch analogy that people found that funny. Yeah, it's one further step removed. Yeah. So, so do you have do you have other things like an it's like? Can you think of other kind of bits of shorthand for ways to either fix a wonky joke or um, do you know what I mean? Because like yeah, when you, yeah, when yeah, you refer really to good... it as a it's an it's like, I was like, oh, you've identified that that's a particular. Yeah. Do you know who uh, I? Sean Walsh is very good at it's likes. He's and I think. Like, I saw him doing that. I think that's where I've thought, oh, that's a really... I think that's... But I don't know. Something I've noticed on, the, on that last tour when I was listening back to that was that you... And I, I, this is my uh, interpretation of, of what you were doing. Because you're... I've got a new one. I've got, I've got an go example. On. I've got an example. Uh, sometimes you could take a bit that you think is a broad observation and turn it into an anecdote. So, for instance, if you, if I say, I don't want to come up with examples from, uh, it's difficult to come up with, oh, so from an old show, I had a thing about uh, those phones that you turn with your finger, people are having those phones, and that doesn't work when you go, have you seen these people that have still got these phones? But if you say, my friend has got this phone, it suddenly works because it feels like you're responding to an actual event that has happened rather yes. than you're making a... Because people aren't then going, is that a thing? I don't, I don't, I don't Do people still have them? People are going, that's a fact. His friend sure, has that. Sure, sure, sure. So it's rooted in a sort of yeah. false reality. But yeah. reality for the sake of the, the bit. Yeah, so there's lots of that, I think. Yeah. I think everyone does. But that's a good example of something you can really strengthen up... Uh, observation i wouldn't do it if i think i'd prefer to do the observation in its like pure observation form but sometimes that would strengthen it up something i noticed you in the in the last album you did was that in order that you didn't keep hitting the note of because one of your one of your kind of key character notes is incredulity Mm. like one of the questions one of the list of questions was asking josh widdicombe questions who does that you know, because that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's like a note that you're familiar yeah, yeah, with, yeah. right? Um, and is, oh, as a side question while we're on it, is that something that you have to be mindful of so I, that you don't overplay yeah, that yeah, angle? You do, you do find I mean, yourself you're, doing the you're, same you're, phrasing. Yeah. So I tell you what I do a lot. No. It's like, you're set, this person said this to me. No. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've got, if I do a corporate... Right, I've got all of my shortest, most bankable, oldest, clubbist stuff. What? Go on. So what's, what's like, the oldest bit? That's a great question. A my corporate What's set, the oldest bit in your my corporate, corporate set? set? Is stuff from like 2009. To the, and every time I, I feel do, so guilty doing old gear at corporates. I'm so give thrilled a shit, you knew. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, but uh, Madame Two Swords, I'll do it a corporate, or I'll do the Argos bit. I'll do all the old bits, right, that are really short, because people at uh, yeah. awards dues don't want to hear you telling an anecdote about your mum giving you an advent calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I realised, like, in the space of the first three minutes that I'd do it a corporate... I'd say, do that no thing about three times. Oh, because it was a cut and shut from several sets that you yeah, hadn't yeah, noticed. yeah, yeah, yeah. God. But they're too drunk to notice. <laughs> Fair. I was, so I was going to ask, the, the thing that I, was, I, felt, I felt like I could see some of the, the working out was when you, uh, in, a, in a longer show, in a, like a, you know, in a tour show, 
so that it's not always, I hate this, I don't understand that, I don't like this. Yeah. You would often begin a new chunk by going, I really, I really like so-and-so, though. Do but I, I tell you the one bit of it I don't like, and then you're I back really? into being and negative. That's yeah. not intentional. I've, I didn't know I did that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you. I think you. If not intentional, I think you've done yeah. it in order to make sure it isn't just right. Yeah. I don't get this. I don't like these. I don't understand. I worry about it being incessant. Do you know what I mean? You do worry about just it feeling like you're clubbing someone around the head with grumbles. Well, it's <laughs> clubbing with grumbles. Potential puppet spin-off. Um, <laughs> you're, uh, it, it's a bit, I'm, in, I'm interested in that because it's clearly to your advantage as an act to have a recognisable voice and a recognisable angle. Yeah. And is that a, that's kind of a question. Is, the, is there a fear of overdoing that angle and consequently spending or expiring the, the stuff that... No, I don't think so with stand-up because I think I do other things where... I'm more... I don't, I'm not like that. So I'm not really like that on the last leg. I'm not really like that if I go on other shows. I'm not really like that on podcast. I do. So I, do, I don't think that um, that's a worry about... Because stand-up is a part of what I... Of what, how people would hear me, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. So within a stand-up show, you can do that as much as you like because that's your... We'll that's find your out. Um, I'm trying to do it more. This show, I'm trying, as we said, it's trying to just do 80 minutes of material with no let-up because I just wanted to challenge myself to do that. And I thought, I'm, I've always had a little thing that, like, breaks it up or whatever, or I've tried to, like, bring it down and then bring it... to calm it down or whatever. But I'm not... I, I you know, I... I that's the bits I always enjoy doing the most. So on the last... I don't think it was the last... I don't think... I can't remember what my last tour was called. But I think the one you've heard is the one before. Um, I, I, I'm willing to yeah. be corrected by but you. But on the last one, there was a long bit about flying, right? And, that was the, and there was a long bit about beds. And I enjoyed those bits the most because they were the most just bang, 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 bang. Um, so I thought, well, I'll just want to create a show where... It almost all links and it all runs. So there's never a bit where you go, you see the link, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'd like the idea of every routine. So today you saw it and it didn't do that because it hasn't got to that point yet. And it doesn't need to be at that point yet. But, you know, I'd stop and I'd go, so I bought a baby monitor. And you're like, I'd love that to come off something so that every routine runs into each other. Why? Because I think... That's, I think, the best bit of comedy, going to see a comedian, is when it's just you th- when you're laughing and then you're laughing again and then you're laughing again and then they're layering the laugh. You know, Michael McIntyre's so good at that, isn't he? You're watching him do a routine and you're laughing and then he hits you again and then he hits you again. It's like, you know, that's, I like that. That's why. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just want to drill down on that a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. what does it... So what does that like? The pursuit of excellence is what you're talking about. There, you really want it to be not just I, good. The, you want them to be creased constantly, yes. like, like an onslaught. Do you know, this is something I never get, and I'm, I'm never get applause breaks. Right? It's really weird. I'm, I, it's just my material or delivery or something. Really? Never. It's just not a thing. So, um, and I think, and I do like, 
And I think one of the reasons is it's not good enough. No, one of the reasons... Um, <laughs> Applause break. One of the re- <laughs> yeah, mate, it's not, it's not good enough. One of the things I tell myself <laughs> is that it's, it's about the best bits I do are bits where they're layered, 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 layered. It's not set So up there isn't bang. a gap for them to applaud? Is that what you mean? No, I don't think they would anyway. But I think what I do is... Um, the best bits are just running, 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 and you're talking over the laughter, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. I, I, that's, I, don't, you know, I don't know why I enjoy that more. I, I think maybe, you know, I, I just think if you can do that, why not? Why are you wasting show on setup if it can be as much punchline as possible? Let's talk about some of the different ways in which you're funny. What do your what do what do you attribute your success on Taskmaster? Well, I won that. Um, what do you mean? What like th- why why did you why did you win it? Like you were funny in really original and interesting ways but against win- a very funny. You win that funny but for being fluky at the time. You know, you know. Um, why did I win Taskmaster in the end? Because I could run faster for 90 seconds than Rob Beckett with pedometers attached to my head. So, <laughs> um, I enjoyed Taskmaster so much. It's such a good show, and I loved it. And um, what I liked about it is, like, any show that is... The best shows to do are the ones where you're not thinking about trying to be funny. You're thinking about playing the game. I think all the best panel shows uh, are the ones where you lose yourself in it rather than ones where you're trying to say what you've prepared. And Taskmaster is that. A bit like, would I lie to you? And do you have uh, kind of... Could could that be formulated as advice? Like, what do you suggest to people in order to... Like, if someone listening to this has got a tryout for a panel show coming Um, up, how do you lose yourself... In something, if you're if you're not if you're stuck, if you're like, oh god, this isn't working out. How yeah, do you yeah, let yeah, go I've of had that? that. How, yeah, okay. Well, talk to me about that because you know you're, you're obviously very good at losing yourself in it. Where are some moments where you haven't managed to achieve that, and how did you get through them? I had a very sticky time, and never mind the buzzcock stew. Very sticky indeed. Why is that? Uh, because I wasn't good enough. Um, because I was on with um, I just I just didn't I just it just kind of bypassed me. And then I was like, oh, I haven't spoken in 45 minutes. And then oh, you get the feeling in your legs, you get that feeling, and you know the feeling like when you're being told off. You know that? Oh, yeah, okay. And you're like, I need to say something, I need to say something. I've said something, and it's even worse than what I said before. And it's just the worst. But now, it's, it's bad advice, because it's not something you can do, but it's... Literally, it's the 10,000 hours principle. The Beatles play for 10,000 hours thing. Um, just hours um, of doing something. The amount, the last leg, I think, has really, really helped me because cause it's live. So everything you say is going out on TV. So you've got to really trust what you say. So it makes you much more honest with yourself about the writing. So your jokes. And it also makes you much better at judging what to say off the cuff because you, you're at a heightened level of what you're going to say is going to go out on TV. Whereas 
if I did um, a different panel show that's being recorded, I might take more risks and I might say stuff that could lead to actually funny, really funny stuff or could die. And it doesn't matter. I might as well throw that out there. When um, I was doing Mock the Week a lot, Dara, um, and there, there was a few of my kind of generation, so it was like me and James and um, Nish and um, Ed, and uh, we were... Dara said, and he meant this in a nice way, he was like, what I like about you lot is sometimes you'll say stuff and it's not even got a punchline, it's just like an idea. And I, but you'd throw that out because you'd think, well, maybe if I say this, someone else will say something funny and, I'll say and it'll build into something. I'd never do that on the last leg, obviously, because it's a, it's a gamble, if you know what I mean. But we've done 170 last legs, something like that. And so... That's 170 hours of TV. So it makes you... It just makes you calm. It makes you realise that it going badly is not the end of the world. It makes you realise that saying something and it dying on its ass is not the end of the world. And so it purely makes you relaxed. And it's all about being relaxed because you're going to be funnier when you're relaxed. And I know that is awful advice because telling someone to be relaxed is like saying, do you know what would help? get you to sleep, empty your head of thoughts. You're like, I fucking tried that, mate. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I keep saying if that makes sense, but it's, um, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Something I wanted to ask you, I was looking at some clips of various things you've done on TV, just on YouTube. Something that comes up a lot are the Graham Norton uh, episodes that you've mm. been on, often with people who are like mega A-list celebrities. So, I just wanted to, to go, go on. I was, I, so, no, sorry, did you want to... Well, yeah, I was, uh, we might be talking about the same thing, but I just wanted to hear you talk about the experience yeah. of being on the couch, chipping in when someone who is an A-list celebrity that the audience... I mean, they might like you, but they love... They can't believe they're in the room with... Uh, I'll tell you, know, you something funny. So Oscar third winner. Graham Norton did. Third Graham Norton I did was... I was like a replacement on the day. Do you want to guess who I replaced? Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> So, uh, I hope you got at least a text from him afterwards. So, <laughs> thanks for covering, Josh. <laughs> so, um, I did that. Right. The reason there's twofold. I think why they've gone well. Those shows. First one is I'm not really into American things. I'm not really into films that much. So I'm not in any way fussed about. Uh, like, not in any way intimidated by. Mark Ruffalo or Kurt Russell or um, Christina Ricci or whatever, right? Sure, sure. So, you're not you're not starstruck. I'm not in the in the way that I would be if I was on with Frank Skinner. Sure. Yeah. So it's just that's so that's to my advantage because I just luckily that's how that works. And B, I think it's actually very easy to do those things with big stars because you can play it low status as you're just the idiot from Devon who sat there with Mark Ruffalo and the Avengers, which is apparently a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Not my scene, but it's a big deal. So I think I actually find those things quite... I found they've gone well for those two reasons. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that have fallen in... Ah, 
Friday morning, I did the Zoe Ball uh, Radio 2 show. Okay. And I was on with Kylie. And it's like, fucking Kylie, whoa! And you're like... And then I come in, right? And she's playing a new single. And as I walk in the room, Kylie and Zoe Ball are dancing to Kylie's new single. <laughs> and you're like, I've... And they're like, come on, join us and dance. And you're like, well, I can set myself up against this straight away as the guy that's, like, intimidated by dancing with Kylie, because I am. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't take much acting. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? In the sense that you go, Kylie is a much easier person to be on with than Tony Hadley, because the dynamic with Kylie is straight away, Kylie's a superstar and I'm an idiot. The dynamic with Tony Hadley is... It's Tony Hadley. He's not a superstar anymore, is he? Like, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? All due respect to Tony Hadley. B- bit late for that now. <laughs> <laughs> that is, do you, do you, have you had similar moments, given that it isn't... Do, when you're on something like the Graham Norton show, mm. or whichever, when, when it isn't live, and you're chipping in... Do yeah. you have? Mo- are you able to take risks as if you're on Mock the Week? You can jump. Do, do you find that you take risks in the, the same way? I remember with that um, Graham Norton show. So the first one I did was the Ruffalo one, I think, where it was me and the Avengers and Blur, right? And who the? It's just my favourite band in the world. But luckily they weren't out for the chat. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just me, Ruffalo, uh, the, that that. Olsen that isn't the twin. Elizabeth Olsen, is she called? Seems reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Jeremy Renner, is that someone? That's him. Yeah. Right, yeah. And... <laughs> I'm just not, it's just not my world. Is this super authentic or protesting too much? No, it's I'm, hard to tell. Genuinely, right? I'm aware of Mark Ruffalo, properly, but I could tell you now if Jeremy Renner walked in, I wouldn't know. So, the, so that one, I vividly remember <laughs> coming out and it's the Avengers and me and I'm very, I am intimidated there because it's more though because it's Graham Norton, much more because it's Graham Norton, sure. it's the biggest show in the world. Uh, and like when you go to Australia and you're like, I heard in Australia, uh, Adam Hills is like the Graham Norton of Australia and you yeah. get to Australia and they've got Graham Norton. Yeah. He's the Graham <laughs> Norton of Australia. <laughs> so, he's, so I'm intimidated because of that. And I remember they started and they were talking about the Hulk, right? Who's Mark Ruffalo, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he was talking about filming on green screen. And I'm thinking, there's such an obvious joke here about the Hulk being green and being on green screen. And I remember, vividly remember, because it wasn't my question, I hadn't spoken yet, thinking, this is a huge gamble to chip over his anecdote with my first thing I say as a joke... And so that was like a gamble. And I, I remember the fear of doing it, and it got a laugh, and then it was fine. But that was, that felt, I don't know why that stuck with me, but it's really stuck with me as like a terrifying moment. The first thing to say is a joke when you haven't spoken yet. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
I have a listener question for you, uh, which is uh, from the Facebook group. Uh, why does he ruffle his... This is you. Why do you ruffle your hair with your hand at the beginning of every intro to last leg? Is it superstition? Yeah. And if so, what part does that play in preparing to perform? Uh, that is superstition. I did it, like, at the first... I, I got caught. You get caught in it, and I'm not really a superstitious person at all. Uh, I do a thing uh, where if I've got a gig, I'll splash my face with cold water beforehand. Have you seen me doing this? No, so, I don't think I have. So, and that came about because I used to burn up on stage, and it was just to cool myself down. But people would say that's a superstition, but that's actually just because I don't like looking red in the face. Uh, so that and the ruffling the hair at the last leg, but I don't really have any superstitions. And have so. you done that every single time on last leg? To my knowledge. I... Could uh, you, as an experiment, could you uh, not do, do it? it? What would it mean to you, though? I mean, that superstition, like, you get that, hey, it's meaningless, right? Or do you buy into it still on some level um, where it's important, it's live telly? Yeah, it'd be an interesting one, would I do it? Um, yeah, of course I would, actually. It'd be fine. Because even if I'm shit, I've been shit on ones before, um, and we've still been made. So, like, you can... I, yeah, it'd be fine. So do it, then. All right. All right. When That's is going to be one? something to tune in for. Yeah. <laughs> so this week? Is it on Me this? not ruffling my hair. Um, no, we're not on at the moment. I think we're on, um, like, whatever the Friday is, about May the 15th, something like that. Right, I'll give you a text. I'll remind you. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm dreading that Can now. you imagine if it goes tits up? Could I do it in the second in the series? Because I'm always a bit nervous about the first one. I think for the experiment to have any weight, it has to be the first one. I don't think... <laughs> Uh, one of the uh, questions uh, from uh, oh, well, I've lost it. Matt Smith, what's it like having a, a brother? I've heard who, of him. What's it like having a brother who can pull off the sexy art teacher look? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Henry is. Um, he's got a much better look than I have. I think my um, yeah, he's done an. It's amazing. This festival's been going ten years, right? Yeah. What an achievement! Some audiences would clap that. Not these guys. No. They're too discerning. <laughs> McCuncliffe Comedy Festival has been going 10 years, ladies and gentlemen. And it... it's, it's an amazing, genuinely amazing achievement. I was thinking that walking around it, just thinking, bloody hell, this started so small. I don't, did you do the first Not one? Not the very but, first one, no. But I, uh, there's a picture of the first one. It's in the programme of me and ACAS demanding the ticket stall. <laughs> and I think it's a, a real vote of confidence for my career, James's career, and the festival that that's no longer happening. <laughs> I was saying to Gamble backstage just now, um, do you remember the one where uh, it was the Friday night showcase and Nish hadn't sold any tickets? Yeah. So the showcase turned because no one knew who Nish was. And, uh, great days. Great days. And, <laughs> and it turned into, it was, became a running joke. Was anyone at that gig? That it became a running joke in the showcase yeah. that everyone was giving a shout out to Nish because he hadn't sold anything the next day. It was a great moment. The, it was the Nish. making I, I was of there when Nish found out he hadn't sold any tickets, right? So I can't remember who the four people were, but say it was me, Ed, uh, James and Nish, right? And we stood there and my brother comes across and I'm like, have, have I sold all right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and James, you've sold well. And Ed's like, Has, is it all of my... And he's like, yeah, Ed, you sold out. And Nish goes, have I sold? And Henry just walked off. <laughs> Uh, 
Um, it, I was thinking, I was reflecting uh, on this, the 10th anniversary of Mac, knowing that I was going to talk to mm. you. The, the very divergent paths that you and your brother have taken. Where, mm. where, and very, very specifically so, because this is the best alternative comedy festival. Yeah, and, and I'm the best alternative comic. And you are, you're a pretty mainstream comic. I am Would a you? pretty mainstream comic. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I don't mind that. Like, I've just I've told Nanny about uh, about doing the Zoe Ball show on Radio Two. I'm not making any claims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm interested in the ways you do. You need to. I I, did, I, I didn't think I was going to be a mainstream comic. I didn't have any problems with mainstream comedy. Like I remember my first Edinburgh going to see Michael McIntyre in the Pleasance One, thinking that's brilliant. And I remember maybe before I started comedy, I was sniffy about um, a bit more sniffy about comedy. You know when you meet someone who... Um, that obviously be a comedian, so they'll be like... And they, they don't know anything about comedy, but they'll be like, oh, yeah, um, I, think, uh, I think all these mainstream rub- things are rubbish, blah, blah, blah. And actually, um, I think, you know, anyone that can make you laugh in whatever way, that's fine. If they're being fun... fun- funny is funny, Stu. And unfunny is not funny. <laughs> and that's, that's fine with me, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't understand kind of... Like, in the same way that you'd listen to different types of music, I don't see why you would kind of like alternative and not mainstream or like mainstream and not alternative. If it makes you laugh, it makes you laugh. That's not... You can't help that, really, I don't think. It's not... You don't choose, like, what your sense of humour is, do you? I wondered whether you tweak material in order to make it more accessible to everybody, given that your audience is everybody. Uh, no, I don't, actually. I don't think I would ever go... Then why do you say stuffed pasta instead of tortelloni in your current show? I think show? there's different types of stuffed pasta, isn't there? Are there? Yeah. No, that is a reverse gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I remember that, but I was like, stuff, but who says stuff? Past- yeah, tortellini. Oh, you mean tortelloni or tortellini? Tortellini. I, I, maybe I should say tortellini, because that bit's not quite working, so maybe that's the problem. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, I d- that's not intentional, that's literally how I would describe it. I say stuff pasta, which now you bring it up, is fucking mad, actually. <laughs> so maybe that is a problem, yeah. I, that certainly wasn't a way of me going, uh, guys. I'm down with the. I'm down with you. I'm not. I'm not living in a world of tortellini. I call it stuffed <laughs> pasta. Uh, yeah, that's not intentional um, dumbing down of my pasta references. But, I do you, but do you like? Given that you have a huge, you've got a very very broad audience. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't intentionally do that. No, I, I wouldn't. I don't. But maybe I'm doing it subconsciously because I'm trying to make the material work. So I would never keep stuff in that wasn't working. That would be absurd to me. I would never keep something in for myself that died on its arse every night. And so maybe by the very fact that I'm trying to create a show that will work, I am doing that because I'm trying it out at gigs. But I'm, I don't think I'd ever go... I. I I really, I actually want to talk about the work of Werner Herzog, but um, I don't. There's a film reference for you. But um, I, 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 I write about what I write about, really. I'm not thinking 
everyone goes to the supermarket. Let's go and walk around the supermarket to try and get ideas. But do you ever discount a thing that you want to write about because it isn't landing? Yeah, because all the time. Too... Because it's not landing, yeah. But, but, but because it's specifically if it's not landing because it is not understood by everybody. Um, I don't know if that's the reason... I don't know if I ever identify the reason for dropping something. That's not me trying to avoid the question. Sure. That's me saying, genuinely, if something's not working, I, it's usually that it's just not enough of an observation. It's just not a thing that people buy into. Like, I've got stuff in that... So God, here's God. an example. I had a... But this isn't because it's highbrow, because it's really not. But I had a thing about... You know that shop, Glorious Britain, in the airport? Yeah. Yeah, well, not many people do, it turns <laughs> out. But I had a thing about that, and it was about um, having, like, them selling, like, a five-foot teddy bear dressed as a beefy, and about taking that onto a plane. Yeah. You really need to fly a lot to know Yeah, that. exactly. So I, that's an example. And that just doesn't work. And you're like, this is going to be great. Oh, no, it's not. But um, I've got a bit in my current tour show about the night pay window in uh, service stations. Uh, they don't know about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, anything about uh, doing your own tax return because you're <laughs> self-employed that you think is going to really fly, people don't know about that because most people are PAYE. What a boring thing to say. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, be- before, before we really get deep into the minutiae of the tax system for the self-employed... Um, Can I just say one more thing on that? There is an exa- I won't say who the comic is, but there was an example. Someone told me about a comic who was uh, doing the O2 and doing material about how difficult it is to buy your first house. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what you're talking about, like, in terms of... Like low-browing yourself as to what isn't your actual experience. If you could only do Last Leg or Quickly Kevin, the podcast, for the rest of your life and money was no object, um, which would it be? That's, that's a twofold question, right? So I would definitely do Quickly Kevin from the... So that's a podcast I do about 90s football. So just to be clear, money would have to be no object because... <laughs> <laughs> Because it's a podcast about 90s football. So, day to day, I would definitely prefer to be talking about 90s football than Brexit. I don't think that is a surprise to anyone. And I mean that. However, I think, quickly, Kevin, is something... Because it is a... um, It's ten years of information that already exists. There's only so far you can do it for without repeating yourself. The good thing you'd hope about the last leg is, because there's new news, it would be a lot more fun to do for the rest of your life. So, if it was f- this year, for another year, you do quickly, Kevin. But for the rest of my life, I think it might get a bit grinding to constantly make jokes about Chris Kawamia. So that was Josh. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I enjoyed recording it. Uh, thank you very much to Josh for coming on the show. Thanks to his brother, Henry, for putting together such an incredible festival. And thanks, of course, to all of the volunteers, everyone that helped uh, teching, uh, to Pax, who did the, the tech for that show. 
and um, and everyone that was part of it. It is an absolutely beautiful festival, and I achieved a kind of meta level of enjoyment of that festival uh, by making sure that I wasn't doing anything on the Sunday. So I got to be at a comedy festival for a day with no work or shows or gigs or responsibilities or pods or research or anything hanging over me, and instead I just hung out with my family and saw loads of friends and saw some fantastic shows. Hey, while I remember, I saw Sean Morley's new show, which is kind of a... They're both working progress is the things I saw and Sean Morley is a a friend of this podcast and uh, recorded an excellent episode with us last year so do check that out his new show I think it's called soon I will be dead and my bones will be free to wreak havoc on this world once more something along those lines and also I mean really really enjoyable um and also I saw a breathtaking show from Johnny Pelham who was on one of the redacted shows I'm not sure if it was the one that I think it was the one that went out from last year's Mac um, but look out for Johnny Pelham. I'm calling it first. I'm calling some early buzz on Johnny's show. I, I won't say anything about the content of it, um, but it is he's dealing with uh, an extraordinary subject and dealing with it in an extraordinarily matter-of-fact way. Very, very funny, incredibly powerful, and uh, a really jaw-dropping performance from Johnny Pelham. So look out for him. I think he's probably about to have a, a very um, successful Edinburgh Festival. That's all for now. Um, I'm not even going to post our at you because uh, we're going on holiday so I'm uh, going to chuck this one out do a runner, you might even be able to hear Future Girl crying in the distance so uh, thank you to everyone that came to the Soho shows, particularly the Thursday was loads of fun, the Friday was one of the best ones that's been and the Saturday was the best end of has ever been so thank you to everyone and particularly uh, Mel and Angus and Judith and Adam and Rob and Catherine who all came along and uh, and, and everyone, all of you, all of the, the, the support I got from um, podcast listeners and fans of the stand-up um, I, I just had an extraordinarily good time so thank you very much uh, as ever Peter Dorming is a podcast consultant Nathan Wood is the uh, uploader and editor of this show Jake Crossland for logging the show and uh, also thanks to Rob Smouten for the music and um, don't forget tickets for Primer are now on sale that's right tickets at this year's Edinburgh Fringe I'm doing a work in progress at 3 o'clock every day at the Monkey Barrel and you can buy tickets at edfringe.com or probably from now, listen, what is... I think it's fringe.com or is it fringe.uk, the uh, the cheeky domain name of the Monkey Barrel Comedy Club in Edinburgh. Um, anyway, basically Google Stuart Goldsmith Primer. You'll find it on Ed Fringe. You can buy tickets. You can reserve a seat in advance for a fiver or you can take a risk on the day. And uh, it's a 100-seater, so I think some days it'll probably be full. Um, but uh, if you if you want to lock it in early grab a ticket for a fiver and if you want to take a risk on the day then it is free to turn up and try it and you can make a donation afterwards great little halfway house of a system that very much looking forward to it it's going to be work in progress some of it is already good but um the way i'm going to try and work it is every time a bit gets really good i'm going to park it and do new stuff so it's absolutely going to be me flying by the seat of my pants in an attempt to blurt out true funny things you know it's uh, i should have called it blurt ah there we go it's too late now uh, maybe another time but uh, tickets for that very much on sale so get along to that and I'll see you soon coming up soon as well on this pod uh, we have I Hear Shah which is a scintillating interview with an extraordinarily 
intelligent and uh, perspicacious person, if I even know what that word means. I feel like he fits the bill of what I understand that word to mean. But um, he uses some... He, oh, my God, he talks about... He really gets into uh, how he enjoys making short jokes out of big, big intellectual concepts and regards them as zip files. <laughs> I love it. Zip, like zip folders. Brilliant. So great one coming up with him and then also coming up very soon, uh, maybe next week, in fact, Russell Hicks, who is a sort of... Oh, man, he's... Uh, what did I call him? I think at one point I called him um, a risk-taking ball of fire. <laughs> and uh, he was he was kind of a cross between taken with that and uh, uh, derisive of it. So that comes up. He's a proper kind of... Uh, sort of very different to Ross Noble, but has a similar approach towards just walking on stage with nothing in his head and just going for it. And he's a phenomenal comic. So, uh, and uh, that, that interview absolutely blew my head off. So lots of great stuff coming your way soon. Andy Parsons was ill, so that one we'll have to wait. We'll have to re-record that another time. I broke my rule about saying, last episode I broke my rule about um, giving you the names of people who were coming up, because I never like to say anyone's name until the episode's in the can. Broke that rule once. Lo and behold, Andy had to cancel. So many apologies, Andy, for psychosomatically or somehow using the voodoo of circumstance to give you that illness. Many apologies. Bye for now. I'm going on holiday with a screaming baby under my arm. Have a fun week. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.